episode of Say Something Interesting, the podcast that comes at you from Eastern Washington, East Lake Tri Cities. We're two pastors here. My name is Margo. And I'm Brent. And we both teach at East Lake Tri Cities. And we've been working through a new series, folks. Yeah, just started it. Saw Sunday. Hot off the press. Yeah, something we're tag teaming together, Margo. Yes. It's a tag team event, y'all. <laughs> we're an equal opportunity. That's right. Sermonizers. <laughs> Whatever that is. Yep. Talking about Jesus, which is always exciting. What? And, At church? Uh, leading up to it. Is there anything that you have done in the past to kind of prepare yourself for Easter? Is there a, I mean, I, I know that Lent, that's a yeah. really popular like dietary or I fast from, you know, something, social media or whatever. The, but, the weirdest thing I ever did yeah. was right after I graduated college, I was living on my own in an apartment and I was just doing the grind. Like I wasn't working in a church environment. So I was working at a bookstore <laughs> and uh, it's, and it was very stressful because it was gorgeous books and they were going out of business. So I felt like it was competing for my attention, my job, like on an emotional level, like on a physical level, like I'm always being called in. Uh, so I remember I made myself at least twice a week for the month before Easter. I watched the passion of the Christ mm. just so I'm just like this movie always like I see it and I'm like, man, I really forget like how incredible like in a sad way, how incredible like God's gift to me is. And I take it for granted and I let it get candy coated and glossed over. And I know that this movie is not even in detail of like what the experience would have been like, even just observing, not yeah. being in his shoes. So I made myself watch that twice a month leading up to it. And uh, it definitely. Did it work? I, I think so. Yeah. I think it, it helped keep me grounded. I Did wouldn't it recommend work? it. I'm such a utilitarian. <laughs> is, it, is it a winning is formula? That, is that working? If it's not working, scrap it. That's funny. I yeah. mean, it's definitely something I wouldn't re recommend to everyone, but just for me, I'm like, I, I don't know. It just kept, helped keep me mindful in a way that sometimes just reading the gospel story over and over again wouldn't always do for me, just yeah. because when you know it so well, reading, it's hard to like visualize it the same way and yeah. actually pause and let like the emotion and the reality of the situation set in the way a movie like likes to set things up. So I, I mentioned it on Sunday. But I did it real quickly in passing. I didn't even speak on it even long term. But I, I have always, not always, but for m multiple years, probably the last six or seven years, read a small book called The Scandalous Beauty by Thomas Schmidt um, because he's just a fantastic writer. He's a New Testament professor at um, some college in California. I can't remember the name of the college. Um, and he's written a couple other books. And I just, I just, it's one of those writers that just resonates with you and his artistic way of, of describing uh, the like the culture and the and the uh, circumstances surrounding the crucifixion event and what and how the um, Jewish authors would have viewed the uh, like the Via Dolorosa like the walk down the streets of Jerusalem towards the cross like the idea of uh, it being something that it's like a parade through the city towards something that's shameful. But there's it's not even out of the ordinary, like the fact that Jesus didn't even get his own private execution ceremony. No, it yeah. shows that this was this is common. This was but not the, remarkable. But the only one you saw in Passion was Jesus alone walking his cross. You didn't see the it. other guys really until the end. Yeah, but you you know that they were part of that too, right? And you know that that happened all the time. And you know that parades through the city um, happened constantly, but not just for the purpose of shame, but also for the purpose of glory. So one of the chapters. Um, it contrasts, compares and contrasts uh, what they call the triumph 
which was a, a the way a king when when a, a king would take his army and go fight another country and win he would come back and he would parade through the streets of the town um all of the people that the, the kings that he had con- uh, conquered so he would literally put them in chains and rags walk them through the city and at the end of the um at the end of the parade they would kill a bull the blood would be you know spread all over and it would symbolize like our triumph over this existing country it was it'd be pop- propaganda for the current like administration basically mm-hmm. and they would do it on the most public setting in the mo- most public way and, it, and that leads to shame but then uh, at the very end would be this proclamation of aren't we blessed to have the son of god which like the son of the gods, which is our emperor, our our king in our midst in this point. And so he 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 talks about how Jesus' walk through the, the the city the streets of Jerusalem was like a slap in the f- it was it was meant to be a slap in the face by the rulers, but what they didn't even realize was the ironic message that they were sending. They're saying the that end. he was a ruler, even if he's a deposed I know, like ruler. He's, he's supposed to be the conquered king who walks through and he dies on a cross and then suffers the entire thing for himself. Like he's like, you guys don't understand. This is an artistic thing of beauty. What he has done has like, if, if you've ever watched a movie at the end, like the twist and the turn was I so good. I want to call it satire, good. but it's it's almost satirical being like, this is what you do. I'm going to do it and make it like something that it's never been before. Yeah. Uh, it's just like. At the end, the rug is swept out from underneath and, and everything now makes sense. And you realize, oh my gosh, the beautiful satirical nature of the whole process. So um, the chapter is called The Man Who Would Be God. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and get it onto the show notes in the description of this um, this podcast thing um, so that you can be able to download like a PDF and read it in case, you know, this is like extra. This is why you, this is why you listen to this thing um, because of the extra that, that you get for free. We're, we're not even going to charge it to you. No, well, yeah, you could, I mean, the whole book is good. You should read the whole book. I'm not going to PDF the whole book for you. Sorry. I'm, That's, I, I mean, have we're things already to do being... with my time, um, but, uh, <laughs> but I will, I, I will do this because the chapters, I think rather short, I think it's like six pages, maybe eight, something like that. Not, not that much. You could read on your own and, um, I would uh, I would encourage you to to read up on the irony that wasn't even on our notes the things to talk about but it's so good that it would be it'd be super super fruitful for you so yeah, yeah they were just spending the whole series uh, each week talking about letting Jesus speak for himself I like that how you phrase that with the first message mm-hmm. saying all of us no matter how much or how little church background you have uh, have preconceived notions about Jesus, even if it's only he's a white guy with flowing locks and a beard, but no mustache, you know, like we all have, like he's gentle or he's judgmental. He's a nobody or he's somebody he's significant or he's fictitious. You know, we all have these assumptions and, uh, sometimes they get in the way or they, they are the rose colored glasses that we read scripture through. And sometimes we need to make ourselves take them off to make sure that we're taking him at his word and really seeing the picture that he is trying very earnestly to paint. And it's easy to be hard on ourselves to see like, Oh man, like I really do put Jesus in a tiny box. That's probably not very accurate. But uh, something I think is important to note is that his disciples that spent, you know, a couple of years with him 24 seven living with them, doing life. 
they constantly were putting him being like, oh, I, I think I know what he's going to do next. Yeah. And then, I, I'm pretty sure how he's going to handle this reaction. Let me help you out, Jesus. And then they were wrong and they wrote <laughs> about how wrong they were. Let's not keep that in mind that they did not pretty themselves up when they are the ones that recorded this. Like Jesus did not write the gospel of Matthew or the gospel of John where they or he writes his disciples in like idiots and I can't believe they didn't get it. They wrote themselves in like that. That's yeah. what makes it, I feel like, feel feel real. so authentic to be like, I just... I wouldn't write that about myself. I would hide that fact. I would hide the fact that um, I, I disbelieved or I would hide the fact that um, I tried to, you know, in the garden when he's approached, I took out my sword and cut the ear off of one of the uh, one of the guards trying, who to, defend trying, to, him, trying to defend him. And Jesus is like, put down the sword, dude. This isn't what this whole thing is about. And I, if that was me, I'd have been like, of course I knew that. Uh, and I didn't duh, do duh. anything. I was like, take was him. Simon. I know it's going to happen. I know you're going to arrest him. He's going to die. And yet, you know, uh, he's going to rise in three days. He told me three times already. Um, none of that happened. They didn't believe him. They didn't hear that. They didn't expect it. Um, and they wrote themselves in as really uh, idiots almost, you know. And uh, Well, and I mean, they most of them had very little formal education. And I mean, it's not like they were trained, like yeah. raised, being like one day you will follow this great religious yeah. teacher and be in all these scenarios. Most of them were not just handy, you know, handicraft. Kind Which of is probably why and... a lot of them like are like, why, why would you pick me? I mean, you always, you always see those movies uh, more so where like this, either a good looking guy like is approaches like this, like supposedly mediocre looking girl or flip the script on it. Right. Like beautiful girl goes to this guy. And, and the other people are like, why are you so into me? Like <laughs> you should not like me. I, I have not washed my hair in a week. Like I, <laughs> I own a trapper keeper. I, I whatever, you do, do you even know what a trapper keeper yes, is? I okay. Do. God, I just, I was hoping for more of a reaction there, Margo. Um, uh, what? They're not cool. I don't... <laughs> what? Uh, why are you so into me? Like, I feel like the disciples, uh, lived that out for a long time. Like you should not ask me to follow you i should not be on the top of your list i should not be near the top of your list i should not be halfway on your list i should not be even an option on your list and yet you chose me and they and we know that we know that they felt like that and why do we know that because they wrote about it you know what i mean like dealing with all that i think like the big takeaway to not to sell the series but yeah to sell the series let's do it (laughs) is uh, if people that have spent somewhere close to three years living with someone 24 7 under their teaching with him constantly being like this is what i'm about can still be surprised and still have their worldview constantly not just at the beginning but i mean like up until the very end literally the very end their worldview shifted and be surprised and be um really challenged if people if if the people that you think would know Jesus the best were constantly being surprised and constantly being like, oh, I thought he was this thing, but he's actually so much more Then I think we should realize that we can totally fall into that category and say, hey, maybe we maybe we've grown comfortable with who we think Jesus is. And it's time to sit and actually let him speak and surprise us. Dude, that's in a great, great way ways. of putting it. We we come into it. We all none of us came into it with an unbiased view of who Jesus was. We have a very comfortable assessment of who he was. And uh, whether it's pro Jesus because we're we have a you know a Christian background or we're, we identify as Christian or a skeptical view of of Jesus, we all come into it with a comfortable we're comfortable with our viewpoint because we've ha- held it and that's how we operate. And feel, the hope of the series is really to just kind of poke and prod and be like all those things um, that uh, oh and I, I do I want to make mention of this this was too good too in first services I said uh, first service I said something about 
um, all of those things that you love about society as it exists, like uh, so much of what you think is so progressive and great came as a result of um, a Movements the efforts of and, people who yeah. have been influenced by Christianity. And Adam, one of our in between service guys, pushed back and be like, "Yeah, but that sounds like really like super positivity focused." Um, you also have to point out that. Um, uh, not only does it help make sense of all the things that you like, it Jesus is the only thing that makes sense of all the things that you don't like in the world as it's broken and as it doesn't make sense. And the meaningless and the point, you know, the the meaningless of existence or the meaningless nature of of pain and why am I going through this and why does this thing happen? And what am I and, and the depravity of feeling like, is there any hope for this world or is this it feels like every default that we have is to the negative, like every option that people take, every option that when we leave people to leave it up to themselves, they choose the selfish option instead of the life-giving one. They choose the one that benefits them or pushes their ego or makes them better in comparison to other people. How, how do we make sense of, uh, of a sinful nature? They would never say it as sinful nature, but um, uh, that kind of a, of a mentality and, and Jesus makes the most sense of, of that kind of world too. So I left it one-sided in that way. I also, I do have to mention this too. I, in first service, I had in my notes the idea of cities being named after famous people. I said Caesarea and Alexandria, and, and I mentioned um, San Diego and San Bernardino and uh, San Clemente and but he was in translation San Francisco. <laughs> and I, I meant to say those are all named after people who had been uh, influenced by Jesus in their life, which is true. But then I said Saint, and then I said uh, Saint Diego. Which I think is I think is correct, but then I said Saint Francisco, which is not correct <laughs> at all. And I knew it in the moment that I said it. It's Saint Francis of Assisi. But I I uh, in that moment, like sometimes you say something. You you do this because you public speak too. You say something. You're like that wasn't right. But do I want to point it out? Do I want to take or the time to going. go back? Do I want to make fun of myself in that moment? Which that's probably the best option. Or do I just go speed through it and hopefully nobody people heard have it? Or people have grace and be like, I know what he meant. That's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm yeah. hoping that you're like, oh, he just is completely oblivious to all things Catholic saints and everything. I'm not. I, I hopefully I'm not. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I, that was only first service. I I caught it and fixed it. Actually, I just took it out because it didn't make didn't help my argument at all um, for second and third. But I don't know which video is going to make it on the or which audio is going to make it on the podcast. The actual follow up. So if you listen to this and you're like, I don't even know what to referring to. Well, good. Then our editing skills were great and we took it out. So. <laughs> That would be great. So one of my assessments of why the series can make people feel maybe a little uneasy or just want to blow it off being like, okay, I know who Jesus is, is I feel like a lot of people in their walk, or that's a very like Christian term, but in their relationship sure. uh, with God is they're kind of in that pre-engagement phase where they're like, all right, we've been on some dates. I think I know the type of guy he is, but I don't want to know all the parts of him like i don't want to like move in and then realize this is how he keeps his house or i don't want to it's it's that that ignorance phase of like the things i know about jesus i like and if i really dig in maybe i'm gonna find some things i don't like so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit in this comfortable position and and not fully commit to this but just enjoy the the off and on again aspect of, of what I, I pick know and choose God. what I want to believe about a person. Uh, the things that I like, I choose to focus on and be like, that's really who he is. The things that I don't like, I choose to say that's just different and that or that's 
uh, like a result of maybe some circumstances or he, he, that's not really who he is or whatever, or, or, or yeah, total ignorance. Like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what his bathroom looks like. I feel like yeah. a lot of people approach like really digging into to the Bible that way, saying like, I really love the idea of this Jesus, but I'm scared to open up this book and, and to, to be thrown off by something or to have my bubble burst and to really not like or be uncomfortable or not necessarily like if I'm challenged then that's uncomfortable and I don't, I don't want to be challenged. Hey, there are some crazy things that Jesus says and talks about, right? Um, and there are definitely some things that are hard to understand, hard to grasp, hard to know what, what are you trying to say there? I mean, um, I try and do my best to not avoid those and only talk about the good things that Jesus said. I mean, that's, that's easy to do. Um, you do have to dive into some of those things and, and try and understand, listen, the world that he lived in, the world at which the audience lived in, who would be, you know, the primary audience for this, we're kind of we're overhearing this. No, none of these gospel writers or um, epistle writers um, wrote these knowing that, you know what, 2000 years later, this is still going to be relevant. All of them wrote for an immediate audience. We are simply bystanders looking over the shoulder of them. And so it would, it would not be fruitful for us to read these at face value and not take into context um, a little bit about what they were writing about and what the world and the worldview expectations were in that moment. And so, that would be my that would be my caution or my my thing about well yeah, uh, what about the crazy things that Jesus says? Uh, well, you you really need to investigate that. that 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 should be worth your time. Then I mean that that's kind of the point of this series is are you going to let him speak for himself? Are you going to dive into what those what what that means when he says um, if you're gonna if you are going to uh, follow me, you must forsake your family, forsake your mother and father, right? You must hate them to be able to, to fully love me. Like what? Like that? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> hang on just a second. Like you're supposed to be like pro family. What are you talking about? And when you look at it, he's using hyperbole to be able to, to talk about um, the, the primacy of your allegiance um, to God. And, and there's so many factors in there. Like he's doing this, not because he's like, so here, we're all going to write a letter to our family telling them how much we hate each you're other and me. then we'll send them to him. Yeah, you're dead to me and, and we move on. Like, that's not what he's saying, but he's, he's trying to contrast in, in very visible format the, the, the um, I, would, I don't want to say extremism, that's not it, but, but that would be, that would be a, a, a form of the way that they talked to be able to illustrate what he's trying to push on. So anyways, but if you read it just offhand or you read it out of context, you're like, oh, see, Jesus is anti-family. We should, we should avoid that. So anyways. But yeah. So don't don't go in reverse. Don't leave it in a neutral. Let's put it into first gear and dive in and see what Jesus has to say about himself. And but. I think yeah, uh, yesterday or, or the Sunday's talk, if you listen to it later or whatever, is we touched on I, I touched on like very gently um, a, a lot of different things, trying to create a sense of kind of where we're going. I feel like when we move forward from this, the rest of the series is probably more in depth on individually one of those areas so specifically uh, we, we've talked about how you're going to talk about the dignity um, that he provided towards individuals the the both women slaves children unprecedented in that history for somebody of his kind of an influence to have to treat with you know in an egalitarian way or with equality um all of these people was was like a, what are you doing that that seems counter to what 
would be productive in a society like this. And yet you did this and encouraged your followers to do the same thing. And it became a characteristic of your church, which not only yeah, drew large crowds in there, but it survived the influence of a world that taught the opposite. Like how did, how did that happen? How did that work out? Um, I know I want to do one on humility in a couple of weeks because I think we don't understand. We, we pride ourselves on, on humility. And in our culture, it's kind of a, um, one of the things that is offensive about a president who has a, uh, a Twitter problem is a perceived lack of humility um, in e- whether or not you... That's the, or not, that's the case. The way he's presenting himself is, yeah, is poorly. That's why I said, per- yeah, perceived lack of it, right? So for a lot of people, it's like, I just don't like somebody who's in authority and who reminds everybody who, that they're in authority. You know what I mean? Like, yes... You can do that. It's, and it's not going to be an anti-Trump message, I, I promise you. But but like that rubs, it's so different from kind of what we, we like the people who are in authority, but don't have to remind us that they are. We want to submit to them because of their 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 character, not their position. You know what I mean? So, um, but where did that come from? How did, how did we, how did we thrive on humility? How did we start liking that? All I can think of when you're mentioning that, how like it really bothers us when someone has a character flaw, no matter how skilled they are, is like all the NFL issues we've been having with players, like all these interesting things are coming out about their personal lives. And it's like, do we keep them on? Do we trade them? <laughs> right, do right. we suspend them? And, the, and we, people really struggle because they can be an extremely talented player but they have this huge moral failing and it's, it's hard for us to be like, ah, I like you still, and I'm still going to wear your Jersey and I'm still going <laughs> to cheer. That's yeah. all I can think of. I know. And this week in the news, we traded Richard Sherman to the 49ers, right? The big, uh, the big personality who has always been very vocal and very anti 49ers, by the way, signs on with the, with the H-U other team. Brutus. Oh my gosh. And so now all these people who loved Richard Sherman. For like a, a and, salary increase of like 300%. Oh, cannot blame him for doing it. Yeah, of course. I mean, if he produces. He did a LeBron. Then a he's going to go make a lot more money where he's going. So, uh, you know, fine. You, you just, it's funny when the business side shifts of it, we're like, well, it's just business in the NFL. And then when it's the play, anyways, this is, this is a sidetrack for it. But, um, <laughs> Uh, it is funny how we Eric's we, like stop talking about sports. Yeah, Let's Eric's go. listening, saying I I know nothing about these sports things. But anyways, yeah, it's good. I'm excited for the series, and I think uh, I I hope that uh, that uh, our Easter experience together, um, our communal experience, will be more fruitful as a result of what we're looking at, and what we're studying. So I'm excited to hear your take on it next week. I'm actually out of town this next week, um, and uh, I'm taking off today. And uh, letting Margot run the ship. So we were just talking about. Blame like, Margot. If it all goes awry, Margot. That's right. Right. <laughs> uh, and I talked to Brett. Brett's going to come on the podcast next week and, and fill in, in my spot. So uh, good to have a voice there. And we'll be back after that. But uh, what do you got for something interesting? Are we ready to move on to that? Yes. Okay. So I was challenged by your saying, talking about parks and not knowing anything about who they're named oh, after. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to know who Howard Ammon was. Sure. Of like oh, good. If, if anyone doesn't live in town, fill like, in the blanks. It's probably the I would say the most popular the park most in the po- like Columbia Park or Columbia River Park is nice, but it's just not the same as Howard Ammon. It doesn't have the centralized focus. I yes, mean, it feels more so spread, spread out. out. Yeah. It feels like a trail with little things off yeah. the side. Howard Ammon in the summer is packed and it's beautiful. It's great. So I wanted to know. So I tried to find out and I was coming up with dead ends. Like <laughs> really? they, they built the park, but they didn't really preserve much information. So all I could figure out is that 
technically the arch for Howard Ammon, the original arch, was actually the very first thing built on this parcel of land that is currently known as the town of Richland. So that's a fun fact. Interesting. Uh, so Howard Ammon and his partner, Nelson Rich, were some of the first landowners around 1892. They formed the corporation that essentially sold titles of land to settlers that wanted to come. And it was known as the Bentlin, Benton Land and Water Company. And they petitioned to the post office to name the town Benton, but there's another Benton, so that got confused. So I guess Nelson won the arm wrestle because his last name is Rich. So hence, really? Richland. There you go. But his partner was Howard Ammon and... I mean, I was, I need to go probably to an actual library, but I was looking through articles and the town of Richland history page and there's not much info. So that actually led me down a rabbit trail Yeah. to uh, driving home. I always see a little sign in, I live in West Richland, town next to, town next to Richland. And I see a little sign that says Yellowstone Trail. I'm like, what is this? Is this just a bike path that's confused? I'm like, can I actually take this to Yellowstone? So I Googled it, and Yellowstone was the first transcontinental auto highway in the northern half of the United States, and it went from Plymouth Rock to the Puget Sound. Wow. And it went through Yellowstone, because a lot of people wanted to see Yellowstone, but there, there weren't paved roads, or there wasn't like... There was no map quest, like you couldn't figure, can't get there from here, as a Mainer would say. (laughs) They couldn't figure out how to get from playing. How did they say it? Do it again? Can't get there from here. You like that mean? I I do, yeah. It's a a popular phrase. I guess. (laughs) So, yeah, they said it's like, it's a pleasant. What do they think, Maine's an island? What do they think? What's the what's the context of the phrase? We just like Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont, we don't have great interstate systems. So like New Hampshire has one highway. And it goes straight up the middle. So, like, if you want to get to other places, you have to Good luck, take huh? your life in your hands and try to figure it out. And Maine is the same way. The highway only goes along the coast. I don't think people realize how big of a state Maine is, Maine's though. big, yeah. Maine is huge. I mean, top to bottom, you're probably talking, like, 12, 13 hours yeah. if you drive along the coast. And then inland, Maine has so much land area that there's actually towns that don't have names. They just, like, or we give up. So, it's, like, 4114.0. And, you're, and the next town is, like, 4114.1. They, they just give up. They don't even give them names. So <laughs> anyways, rabbit trail on the rabbit trail. Yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. So this is actually a preserved part in West, West Richland of the original Yellowstone Trail. And so towns would get together. There was like committees and they would point or they'd point travelers in the way they'd have pamphlets. They could pay, they could pay to be included in this pamphlet that would help early travelers. I'm talking like 1910, 1920s make their way across the country to Yellowstone and towns would paint boulders yellow as like trail markers. They'd paint yellow arrows on the sides of their barns and people could follow along this kind of hodgepodge trail and get to Yellowstone. But if you look up like old pictures of it, it's pretty cool to see these like model, what's the model 10, the Ford, like the old Ford cars just trucking along Hmm. across vast, vast expanses. So you can still see little bits and pieces of it. Crazy. Oh, yeah. That's that awesome. Um, so my something interesting came out, and Eric already knows all about this, but we, we uh, I, I talked about calendars um, and the, the fact that large uh, countries or uh, empires have over the years attempted to change a calendar to try and base all future measurements on who they were, right? Or, or in relation to Emperor Julius Caesar or um, Pope Gregory this the third or second or whatever he was. Um, 
And I, I mentioned in first service a little bit, and but I didn't do it in second and th or third, um, the idea of the French Revolution. When the French Revolution took place, they attempted to change their, their calendar, which only lasted for a few months. Um, yeah, they made the work week much longer and people yeah. were getting exhausted. Yeah, because and... it's the people. And, and, and the Soviets did the same thing. They created the Soviet calendar. And the Soviet calendar... Um, they, they took off the Sabbath rest because that felt too religious. And so instead of a publicly recognized Sabbath rest, we're going to do a six day work week and you are going to get a day off to rest, but you, your day is going to be different than everybody else's day. So you would it's be like a given a color uh, and blues always have Monday off and I'm a yellow. And so I have Tuesdays off. So it, it was like, we would, we would never match up. And what they said is if you're married, we'll do our best to get your days off on the same. We'll do our, we'll best, do our best to get this days well, off on the even same get day, regular toilet paper. So I doubt they did their best. Uh, and, uh, the, the problem, the real breakdown on it was, um, in the manufacturing uh, side of things, they, what, basically they have machines that then ran hundred percent of the time and they would never have a real day to be able to rest, maintenance them, maintenance them and do that, that kind of thing or Safety prepare check. for anything. And so um, <laughs> it began to be just like this breakdown because things are made to run, but then rest, run and rest. Like that's how we like are, are physiologically built. And uh, real life application, the shelter I worked in, it used to be a furniture store. And so when they turned into a shelter, they're like, oh, yeah, the AC system's great. Well, the AC system is great for a business that runs from nine to five. It's not great for. 24 People hours a day, seven there. days a week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We experienced that in real life. Exactly. A little piece of the Soviet Union um, in so Pittsburgh. I didn't realize, and, and both times, both in the French Revolution and with the Soviet calendar, it was for religious reasons, trying to get away from before Christ or basing it on the hinge point of history being the birth of Christ or the idea of a Sabbath and, you know, taking this off because we need a day to worship. It was, you don't need a day to worship because worship requires, right? Who, if, if everybody's off on different days, there's no great day to gather together to do some sort of a religious ceremony. I feel like also it's probably to keep people from gathering in general yeah. and trying to overthrow the, yeah. the regime. You only know the people who, you know, or, I only, know only the have blues. friends. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who's blues. Um, so it was just kind of an interesting thing, but uh, yeah. Anyways. Uh, so check out the Soviet calendar, Wikipedia that or whatever. Um, also, I, I just had coffee with a guy um, and we were had he had some great questions for me about just like random stuff, theology stuff. And uh, stuff that doesn't always get touched on on Sunday because we only have like 40 minutes. And <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't know if it's great stuff for everybody. Like it's unique target, I think. So um we are going to be experimenting, I think, coming up in like late April, early May with some sort of a, like a pub theology night where we take one deep theological question, we throw it out there, you do some research leading up to that event, uh, and then we kind of do presentation, long-term discussion, um, and, uh, you know, do some sort of uh, uh, thing here at the church, but like super informal, uh, probably have, probably flip over the cold brew uh, and flip the uh, the little thing around to be able to do the beer side instead um, and have just a, a fun kind of fruitful discussion on difficult questions on the big to ask. questions. Yeah. Um, Why so do we pray? If that's Why something do good things interesting. Or bad things happen to good people? Yeah, if that sounds sure. interesting to you, we know it's not for everybody, um, but it might be interesting for you. Um, look, Be looking forward to that. I don't have a date in mind. We're still, him and I are still trying to nail down those things, but uh, it'll be infrequent in terms of it won't be like, oh, wait, every 
fifth Saturday or something like that. So um, wives, if your husbands are saying they're going to pub theology every Thursday, then you might want to. It's not happening. That's not happening. It's going to be like once a Because I need time to prepare. I told them, I'm like, listen, if it's once a month, I'm already writing too many messages. I'm reading too many books. I can't do it. But if it was like, you know, five, six times a year. This is a like fair that, question. It deserves like fair research and yeah, fair response. Yeah. And not only that, but once you do meet and you go from there, it's not like, well, the discussion's over. Now I've brought up new interesting takes or I've, I've, I've heard from somebody who said, well, this book really influenced me, this article. Oh, I should probably go read that, you know, but if I am, am I diving into the next topic, then I don't have time to be able to go do that. So anyways, uh, be looking for that. That's on the horizon. Something new that is kind of like only a couple hours old, but I'm just really excited <laughs> about it because I wanted to, you know, I think it's a, a good thing. So um, I think that's it. You got anything else? That's it. Okay. Next Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, Margot is on for week two. Make sure to come and cheer her on. And uh, I will be back the week following after that. And then we got Easter in like two or three weeks away. It's awesome. What? So exciting. So uh, thanks for listening. However you found us and however you're listening to this, we appreciate spending time with us. Be sure to follow along uh, online at eastlaketricities.com slash talks if you weren't able to catch one of our weekend services. And as always, listen, uh, keep this podcast on your automatic feed, however, that whatever that looks like. Subscribe. Subscribe. Is that a, that's yeah, the word, I, I think. think. Yeah. All right. Anyway, subscribe. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. See you.